Brooke, it's so good to see you today. You probably in the last two weeks have watched some Republic or Democratic convention coverage. How many of you have seen some of that? That's been all over. There's some pictures up here. And uh, yeah, uh, again, at these events, you have a lot of excitement, a lot of pageantry, and a lot of promises. <laughs> All kinds of promises. And uh, when you look back, uh, if you've been through several elections, you realize that not all the promises are fulfilled uh, for many reasons. Many times the other party doesn't want the promise to be fulfilled. Uh, sometimes uh, different priorities uh, come into the president's life and he can't uh, deal with some of the promises uh, he gave. Uh, and sometimes... They tell us a promise when they really know that it's not going to happen, <laughs> you know. And, uh, but we like to hear it, right? Uh, it's just the nature of politics. So I always take promises from politicians with a grain of salt and pray for God to do his work. Well, friends, this particular book here contains all kinds of promises for you and me. And I never take a book, I never take a promise, that is, uh, with a grain of salt from this particular book because all these promises are true and we can depend upon these promises. Now, many of these promises, uh, they are tied to a, a key. You need a key to unlock the promise. And that key is called faith. In fact, the writer of Hebrews says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So in order to open up a promise, you need to have faith. And many times I've said that the Christian life is a series of, uh, you, know, you know, a workout building up that faith muscle uh, in your life. Step by step, building that faith muscle. Now, some people really enjoy going to the gym. Other people go to the gym because they know it's what they should do. And what they're doing is they're, they're putting tension on that muscle in order to stretch it and actually tear it in order that it might grow back stronger. And that's the nature of our relationship with God is that when we take a step of faith, when we are depending on God instead of ourselves, uh, there's a lot of tension there. Because we'd rather kind of keep everything controlled by us because then exactly we'll know what's going on. But when we actually say, God, I want you to take care of this, that's a totally different ball game, And uh, that creates tension and uncertainty. But when you exhibit that faith in God, then God acts and does wonderful things. And you see the things that happen. And then your faith muscle gets stronger. So... As you go year by year, as you continue to express your faith in God and unlock His promises week by week and month by month, that muscle grows so strong. So no matter what happens in your life, you have confidence that God is going to carry you through it. So let's take a look at a story, a couple stories about Jesus Christ and His disciples and how He was teaching them about faith. Let me get a little bit of context here. Jesus Christ had just learned that John the Baptist was beheaded. 
Now, John the Baptist had baptized Jesus. But more importantly, John the Baptist had been born about the same time as Jesus Christ. And I believe that they had been very, very close friends because they were relatives. I believe they grew up together and they hung out together and they were really close. And so John the Baptist was preaching about the sins of Herod. Not a wise thing to do if you want to stay alive. But he spoke the truth. Saying Herod married his sister-in-law and Herod put him in jail and eventually he was beheaded. And Jesus Christ just learns about this. Think about a time when you, you learned about the fact you'd lost your mom or dad or someone else in your family that you loved so much and just kind of hit you like a, a train. That's what Jesus Christ is going through here. It says in verse 13, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. He wanted to be alone. We talked about this last week, Psalm 137. We talked about the importance of grieving, that life is filled with suffering, and we need to grieve that loss. We need to bring that to Jesus, lay it at his feet, and, and cry out, and, and just journal. In fact, we encourage you to journal. Try that out. How many tried journaling this past week? Raise your hand. All right, a few of you out there. I appreciate that. Uh, journaling is a great spiritual discipline to write out your prayers uh, to God, especially when you're in pain. And again, it gets out of your head and becomes more uh, solidified on paper, and you can communicate that to God, and he can be a real encouragement to you in that way. So Jesus Christ gets away, and we talk a lot about the daily office, and it's kind of like a quiet time, getting along with God, but there's two differences with a daily office. It's the idea that you're not going just to read the Bible and pray and get more information, but you're really going to spend time with Jesus and really get to know Him better, to cultivate that relationship. And you're also uh, doing it more than once a day. So you might have 20 minutes in the morning when you spend time with Jesus. Uh, then maybe another time during the day, five minutes, you just take time to check in with Christ and tell Him about what's going on in your day. And, and what that helps you do, to do is to be aware of Christ's presence uh, in your life. So here we see Jesus Christ taking the time uh, to do that. And, and this is an encouragement to me because many times the reason I'll use not to have my daily office is I'm just way too busy. Well, Jesus Christ, <laughs> he would have the ultimate reason of being way too busy, huh? But he took time to be with his Father as we need to do. So, uh, in the midst of this, in verse 13, but when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. So Jesus Christ has become very popular in his ministry. The crowds were coming uh, to see him. Now, back in that day, they didn't have any big group experiences. Of course, they had the festivals in Jerusalem where everybody came. But other than that, it wasn't very common. They didn't have big sport venues or big concert venues where thousands of people gather today. Uh, of course... One very important sport venue today is uh, the Bears and Soldier Field uh, playing the Colts, and we're just going to have a time of prayer right now. So, uh, No, no, no. God didn't say anything that you're, about your favorite team. He's going to let your fa favorite team win. He does say that he'll fulfill the desires of your heart, so I don't know. Maybe you can go with that. <laughs> but the point is that they didn't have these big events. But what was popular was very oral culture, 
they love to talk, share stories, is that they had these rabbis, and Jesus Christ was considered a rabbi. When people thought about Jesus Christ, they thought about him as a rabbi. And every rabbi, major rabbi, had disciples. So these rabbis would go on this speaking circuit, and they would go to the different villages, and people would come out to hear them. Well, Jesus Christ, he was the hottest ticket in town. I mean, not only was he teaching, but he was actually healing people. He was making uh, the lame to walk and the blind to see and actually sometimes raising people from the dead. I'd want to go see that show, wouldn't you? Of course. (laughs) So when you, you found out where Jesus Christ was, you would walk miles, you would walk hours just to see him in person. Very, very popular. So they sought him out wherever. He tried to hide, and they went after him. So we look at verse 14. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now, here's Jesus Christ. He's stricken with grief. And you'd think he would say, you know, I need a day off. I just need to work through these issues about John the Baptist losing him. But no, no, Jesus Christ had a heart of compassion, and we need to cultivate that heart of compassion in our lives as well to the power of God and healed their sick. Now, verse 15, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Now, it says later in the passage that there were 5,000 men there. That means there are probably 5,000 women and their wives. And who knows how many kids. So if we just say every family had two kids, which is very, very conservative in that culture. Now, we're saying 20,000 people. So the disciples are looking out at all these people. And they're, they're, they're the team leaders uh, for Christ. And they're saying, we don't have food for these people. So they did have a concern. They wanted these people to be able to eat. So they went gently to Christ, and Jesus Christ was healing people. And they said, uh, Jesus, time to kind of wrap things up, because these people, many of them have to walk hours to be able to find something to eat. So let's shut it down. That sounds reasonable. They saw a need, and they said, we can't meet that particular need, so let's have them go meet their own needs. That's how it starts. You see a need. Uh, again, the whole context of this morning is we're talking about ministry and how our faith grows in ministry. And so we're going to see how they see a need and how their faith grows throughout this process. We see in verse 16, uh, but Jesus said, they need not to go away. You give them something to eat. Imagine the disciples standing in front of Christ, and he's saying, you give them something to eat. And they're probably thinking, I don't know what he's talking about. (laughs) How are we going to give them something to eat? Does he have food stored somewhere in this area that we're not aware of? Uh, Does he expect us to come up with food out of nowhere? Uh, And they're kind of going, we can't do that. And so they're trying to figure I mean, they have a great respect for Jesus Christ, and so they, they don't want to say, you're crazy. What are you talking about? You're talking nonsense. 
they gently tell him, and in other versions we learn that they went out and searched uh, for some food and found this little kid with a, a lunch that his mom had prepared for him, with two little fish like sardines and five loaves of bread. So they said, okay, we'll tell Jesus what we have, and maybe then it will settle in with him that that's not possible, that we can feed these people. Verse 17, then they said to him, we have only two, uh, five loaves, that is, and two fish. What are they saying to Christ? Jesus, you're, you're saying that we should feed these people. We are inadequate. We just can't do it. And, and here's what we have. And you know how far this goes. You know how Thomas eats. He'd eat this whole thing three times over. What's happening here? Well, they see a need. They say, we can't meet the need. We're going to send them away. And Jesus says, no, you can meet that need with my power. Now, when we, we approach ministry, whether it be ministry to a neighbor, uh, ministry to a coworker, ministry to someone on uh, your son or daughter's sports team, their dance team, whatever it might be, and you say, boy, it'd be great if somebody reached them for the Lord. But that can't be me because I'm not mature enough a Christian and I don't know the right things to say. And uh, So I'll just pray that somebody else comes along and does that. So we just kind of say, I can't do it, so I'll pray, I'll give money, whatever. I can't meet that need. Friends, we grow through being involved in ministry because it involves faith. It involves us taking a step of faith beyond what we think we can do. Because Jesus Christ enters into our lives and provides what we need. There's a lot of reasons why people uh, don't engage. A ministry, for example, here in our family here at Springbrook. There'd be in our kids program, our team program, all the other ministries we have. Sometimes people say, well, I don't know enough about the Bible. If you're going to minister to other people spiritually, you've got to know the Bible. Or they might say, I'm not mature enough. I just became a Christian last year. I'm trying to get my, uh, uh, get my foundations down. Uh, I can't lead other people. I can't help other people grow. Or they'll say, I don't have the experience. Or I'm not a good enough Christian. I've got a lot of sin in my life. I'm trying to follow God, but i got way too much work to do. Or, I don't have the time. All those type of things. They're saying, I'm inadequate. And that's what the disciples are saying here. We are inadequate to feed these people. So what does Jesus Christ says? say? He said, and He said, bring them here to Me. Bring them here to Me. That's what Jesus Christ says to you and I. When we say, Jesus, I can't do ministry. I can't help other people grow spiritually because of the reasons I just mentioned. Jesus Christ says, give me what you've got and I'll do the rest. Give me the little that you have and I'll do the rest. So what he's asking them to do is to take the key of faith and unlock the promise of his provision. If you'll just give me the little that you have, I'm going to do amazing things with it. But you've got to have faith. Now, our tendency is to want to keep it close to the vest and to try to work something else out. Because, really, we are all control freaks. 
We want to control our lives, micromanage our lives, so everything goes our way. And we're working against a world that is just out of control. And our lives are out of control. The only control, the only true control that we can find is in faith in Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ wants to continue to teach that. And he, that's what he's teaching his disciples here. So they gave him the fish and the bread. In verse 19, Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said, A blessing. And then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. So, they have a prompting. These people need to, to eat. And, and we can't do it, so we're going to send them away. And Jesus Christ says, no, you can do it. Bring what you've got, the little that you have, and I'll do the rest. I don't know how it happened. I can only imagine that they, I don't know how many baskets they had, you know. Seven baskets, one fish, one fish, five loaves, one in each. And they start to pass it. Now, the disciples, they knew how to walk. <laughs> they knew how to pass a basket. They knew how to obey Christ. They knew how to have faith in Christ, that he was going to do something. I mean, they could have said, forget this. I'm, I'm, not, this is, I'm going to be embarrassed going out there with this stupid sardine in the basket and say, okay, everybody eat up. <laughs> but they didn't do that. They did step out in faith, right? And, and as these baskets were passed, the food started to multiply, I imagine. And every time somebody took a piece of bread out or a fish, it didn't impact the amount in the basket. Now, that would be an amazing thing at your dinner table, wouldn't it? Especially if you have young kids who are always fighting over food and they're trying to make sure everybody's got the right amount of food and nobody's getting too much. And I mean, you got a big basket of chicken there. And somebody takes out a leg, and it doesn't change at all. It's still as full as it was before. <laughs> you, know? you take another piece of chicken out, and another piece of chicken, and another. Everybody eats, and the, the, the bucket is still full. Full thing of mashed potatoes, and everybody takes. Oh, what's the deal with that? I mean, no more fights at the dinner table, at least about food. <laughs> they would just eat, and eat. we'd all be a lot heavier, I think, if that was the case. But all that to say, can you, can you understand what's going on here? Can you imagine this in your mind? And the disciples are witnessing this. Now, here's an interesting question. What is the purpose of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000? Who is it to benefit the most? Was it to benefit the people eating? I would say no. I would say the main reason he did that was for the disciples in order to grow their faith muscle. Because you can imagine them, they're looking around and they're thinking, whoa! <laughs> I believe that they intellectually believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God in miraculous powers, but it's another thing to believe it in your heart. And so they exercised their faith muscle and said, okay, we'll go pass out these baskets and then, as the food multiplied, their faith and confidence grew in Jesus Christ. And they were just overwhelmed. 
as they saw this food just keep coming and coming and coming. 20,000 people. That's a lot of food. Some of you ladies prepare for 30 or 50 on particular events. Can you imagine preparing for 25,000 people in your kitchen? <laughs> it wouldn't happen, right? It'd take a miracle. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. you got to remember that Jesus Christ was moving his disciples through a boot camp because they were going to take the gospel, his gospel, to the rest of the world. And the most important thing that they needed, more than anything, they didn't need more information or training. They needed real-life experiences where they put their faith in Christ and He delivered. And it's the same with you and I, guys. We don't necessarily need more information. We don't necessarily need more of the Bible. We, of course, profit from that. But so many of us have so much information, but we never take the key of faith in our life, with our finances, with our marriage, with our kids, uh, with employment issues. It's only when we take that key of faith and turn it and say, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to make it. I'm going to pay these bills. I don't know how I'm going to get a job. I don't know how I'm going to work through this marital discord. I don't know how. I'm inadequate. And we bring what we have to God, our inadequacy, and we give it to Him on a daily basis and, and just continue to give it to Him. Things look bleak. But God, I, I pray that You would do what You say You would do. And as you unlock that, and then as you see God start working, that's when you really start to take off. That's when your, your, your confidence in God really, really grows. That's why it's so important in a journal to keep when God has worked. To keep a, a journal of, of when God has worked in your life. When He's done miracles. Because there will be times in your life, no matter how mature you are, you're saying, where's God? Why isn't He helping me? What's the problem here? And all you have to do is look back at your previous workouts. <laughs> look back at how God had strengthened your faith muscle throughout the years. You might not be able to feel it now, but you know in your heart that He is faithful in every possible way. Uh, so in verse 20, uh, And they all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Amazing. Now, here's the interesting thing. Here's another story that you're very familiar with, but when you view these stories together, they make sense. Another faith exercise for the disciples. Immediately, immediately, right away, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, on the side of the Sea of Galilee, when he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. There you see it again. That's twice in one day, isn't it? Why? Well, you know, he's still dealing with John the Baptist and will be for a while. And he's uh, dealing with the fact that he spent all day ministering to people. He's drained. He's physically drained. He, he was human. Remember that? <laughs> the God man. And uh, he needed time alone with God. In fact, I think what this teaches us is that the more difficult your situation in life, the larger the crisis, the more time you need alone with God, feeding on Him, communing with Him, 
uh, loving him. So uh, he goes away, and uh, when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against him. Now, the disciples, as you know, they were expert fishermen. They had spent their life on the lake of Galilee. And they, I don't know, maybe it took an hour or two to get across the lake of Galilee. It says in this text that it was about 3 a.m. when Jesus Christ appeared to them. So they're probably like five hours trying to get across the lake of Galilee. And you can imagine how tired they are and overwhelmed they are and fearful they are, wondering, is this our last (laughs) boat trip here? Because we are stuck. They're rowing as hard as they can, doing everything they can to move that boat forward, and nothing is happening. Now, why is that? Is that just a coincidence that this particular windstorm came up? Well, no. God is just kind of blowing his breath down, (laughs) keeping them back. Because they're in boot camp, and Jesus Christ wanted to teach them about faith. Uh, Verse 25, and in the fourth uh, watch, that's about 3 a.m. of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said it was a ghost. And they cried out in fear, but immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. So you've got, you got to imagine the, uh, the mental state of mind they're in. They're worn down, they're frightened, and all of a sudden they see this image on the sea. And yeah, you'd think it's a ghost. So they get all fearful, and Jesus Christ said, No, no, it's me. Now here's one thing that's always puzzled me, but now makes sense to me. Verse 28, And Peter answered him, Lord... If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. What's the deal with Peter? Why is he asking a silly question like that? I mean, if it's Jesus, let Jesus come into the boat. You're fine in the boat now that Jesus is here. What would possess him to say, hey, that looks fun. Hey, can I come out there and enjoy the water? Why does he say that? It's because Peter had spent most of the day delivering a miraculous lunch. Jesus, or excuse me, Peter spent most of the day watching food miraculously multiply in baskets. Peter had just witnessed two fish and five loaves feed over 20,000 people. And Peter was a go-getter. Peter was a leader. And, And I think that What is happening in Peter's heart and mind as he goes throughout this day is he realizes, whoa, we got some serious power here. (laughs) And he says, let's see how this works. Let's try it again. I mean, if he can feed 20,000 people with two fish and five loaves, I could probably walk out there with him. He's doing it. So Peter just kind of says, hey, let's try this out. So he said, um, I want to come out to you. Now, now, he knew he needed an invitation, right? He needed an invitation. He's not going to go out there alone. He want to make sure that Jesus Christ is covering him. <laughs> and, and I love it. Jesus Christ said, come. And I think Jesus Christ was so pleased with Peter because he knew this was going to happen. This is all part of the training. So Peter got out of the boat. Now, now Peter, what did he know how to do? He knew how to get out of the boat. 
He knew how to walk. And he knew how to trust in Jesus. That's all he knew. He brought what little he had and gave it to Jesus. And Jesus was going to do the rest here. So Peter got out of the boat and walked in the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me now. We pastors love to pick on Peter. He's an easy target, right? Oh, Peter, oh, why can't you believe? What's your problem? When really, it's the guys in the boat who are the problem. <laughs> no way are they getting out of the boat. They think Peter's lost his mind. But Peter has so much faith, he said, I'm coming out to you. So I don't think that in any way Jesus Christ is, uh, you know, saying, oh, Peter, you failed. No. He just kind of says, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out to his hands and told him, uh, saying to him, you, Oh, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? And I think he, he was mostly addressing the disciples on the boat. He's saying, don't you guys get it? I am God. I can do anything. You ask me. And if, if, if I want that to happen, it will happen. We go to the next verse here. And those in the boat worshipped him. Because the wind ceased. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now that... <laughs> you need any more proof here? Alright. The wind just stops. Back where I was at a meeting this past Tuesday night. And we came out about uh, 10 p.m. was our overseers meeting. And <laughs> John was there. And it was just unbelievable wind. It's like you're just right before a tornado. In fact, I, I drove past John. I said, Dorothy, Dorothy. <laughs> I thought we were all going to be swept up and blown away. And what if just in the middle of that, John said, please cease. And there was no wind at all. Well, John would be up here. <laughs> Show us another one, Johnny. <laughs> right? I mean, think about that. Huge windstorm, tornado, hurricane, whatever. Truly, you are the Son of God. Their, their, their faith muscle was bulging at this point. They were so taken up in the fact that they were in the presence of God because only God could do these things. Now, friends, if you want to flourish in your spiritual life, you've got to take the key of faith. Whatever situation you're in today, whatever burden you have, whatever challenge you have, you're insecure, you're fearful, you feel inadequate, you bring whatever you have to God and say, God, here's my situation. Would you please help me? I'm going to depend upon you. I'm going to let go of control. And He's going to come through in an amazing way. And it's the same way in ministry. As you, as you take a step of faith in ministry, God comes through. Sixteen years ago this month, we started this church. God planted this church. We had about 25 committed people, and we stepped out in faith. And we were average people. All of us. All of us. You know, we had to cover all the... Set up in the takedown of Lake in the Hills Elementary, and uh, we had to have 
people for the kids' area and people on stage and all the things that we're doing here pretty much. But we were just average. Friends, everything that you're experiencing today here at Springbrook is because a bunch of people in the past, in the last 16 years, average people have stepped out of the boat and said, God, use me in this ministry. And it's time for us to think again about, okay, what, what are you saying to me, God? How are you prompting me in ministry? And I feel inadequate because I don't know enough about the Bible. I'm not mature enough a Christian. I don't have my act together. I don't have the time. Well, bring what you have to Jesus. Lay it down and say, God, you're, you're pulling me. You're, you're asking me to get engaged in ministry or you're asking me to take a step of faith up. So the first step of faith is to get involved in a ministry here in our family. And maybe you're already involved in the ministry, but you're saying God is asking me to take a, a step up. So instead of just serving once in uh, children's ministry, Kids of the Kingdom, I'm going to serve twice. And instead of just being a helper, I'm going to be a teacher. And instead of just being a teacher, I'm going to be a leader. We, we need to continue to have people mature in leadership and taking responsibility in order that we might increase the capacity of our ministry to touch the lives of people. So, uh, what, I'm, what I'm asking you to do as you give it to Jesus is really kind of step outside of your comfort zone. We all live in a comfort zone every day. The things we feel comfortable with, we do. But when somebody asks us to do something where we feel insecure, we don't feel like we have the abilities, that type of thing, we don't want to do that. In fact, let's watch a quick video here that illustrates that. <laughs> 